Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to Grace Community Church. My name is Christine. So glad you're joining us this morning. To our online viewers, welcome. We are always happy that you are joining us as well. I hope you grabbed a bulletin this morning. A lot of great things are happening uh, coming up this summer, especially for our youth. It's the time to start signing up for camps. There are many, many camps being offered this year. So we are super excited for our young people that they get to do a lot of really fun things. Um, most of that information will be in here. If you ever have questions, feel free to call the church office and they will give you all of the details and how to go about doing that. Uh, Vacation Bible School is coming at the end of June, so now is the time to start registering your children for that as well. You can do that online. I know for some, that's really frustrating and makes you nuts. So if you get to that point where it's not going well, just call Brittany and she will help you through that. She will have a table set up today to go through some of the things with Vacation Bible School, so make sure you see her. And as always, Many hands make light work in that program because many, many children come to this place. So if you want to be involved in helping, it is fun and it is wild and crazy. So I would recommend that you get involved with that. And men, guess what? There's something cool coming for you. Ultimate Frisbee. Now, I had to be schooled on this because I said, Michael goes, "Ooh, yeah, you got to be in good shape. And I was like, does it hurt your arm? What? I don't understand. He goes, no, you're not throwing it to the little hole thing. This is like ultimate. You're like playing soccer, but with a Frisbee. So apparently this is a very fun sport. And if you want to get involved in this, June 9, that will kick off. You can sign up today outside at, on the patio. You can sign up online. So it sounds like it's going to be a blast for you men. You know, I hope that you are all doing well. I know that there are some right now that are going through Deep, deep struggles, difficult times. We have been praying as a church for little Jojo. I know many of you have been praying for her. Continue to pray for this sweet little girl. Uh, this is Kevin and Barbara Tilly's granddaughter. So, you know, we carry these burdens together. That is why we are together as a family. And I hope that through these difficult times, through the good times, we can just celebrate this idea that we are in this together. Are you ready to worship our awesome God? Let's do that now. Good morning, Grace Community Church. Let's stand as we worship our Lord together this morning.
You may be seated. Psalm 121 says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. Think about that, friends. The Lord himself, the creator of heaven and earth, sees you. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't take a break. He doesn't get back to you later. He watches over you constantly. In good times and in bad, he sees you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and you go, both now and forever. Let's pray. Father, God, like the fact that we can even just come before you and the fact that you see us, Lord, this, that is mind-blowing. That is amazing that you care about us, that our problems, that our pains, that our suffering, that our struggles, that our difficulties, that you care about those things, that you see us, that you weep with us, that you cry with us, that you hurt with us, that you that you love us that much, Lord, and we do not deserve it. It is, that is just because you are that good and that amazing. Father, thank you. Thank you for seeing us. Thank you for caring and loving us, caring about us and loving us, Lord. Lord, we pray for the Tilly family this morning and we pray for Jojo. And we ask, Lord, because your word calls us to ask and your word calls us to bring these things to you and trust you. And so, Lord, we do that now and we ask that you would touch her, that you would heal her, that you would spare her, Lord, that you would give the family strength and and sustain them, Lord, that you would be near them, that you would be their rock. Help us, Lord, as the church to know how to come alongside them. God, we we pray that you would be with her. We beg that you would heal her. Lord, thank you for our church. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we can meet together. And I pray, God, that as we continue to worship you as we've worshiped you with our tithes and offerings that you would use those things to further your kingdom we pray lord that as we open your word that we would hear your voice that you through your spirit would speak to us and that it would affect how we live that we would be lights in this world that it would change everything about us lord would you be glorified in all that we do and all that we say and what goes on now and we pray this all in your name amen Well, children, you are dismissed.
uh, in the student center. If you want to follow out Christine DeHaan and children here in the worship center, you can follow me out of the side door right there, and you are dismissed to Sunday school. Let's stand together as we sing this next song. Our hope is alive this morning. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to spoke your
Good morning. Well, we're back in my favorite Proverbs, and this morning we're in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And while you're turning, I wanted to ask you a question, although I think I know the answer because I think we all know what we like and what we don't like. I mean, if I asked you, if you like it, you know what you like. And if I said in questioning, you don't like that? And you'd say, yeah, I know, I don't like that. And when it's good, we think, uh, I like that. And when it's bad, we think, I don't like that. And bad is not welcome, unwelcome, and good is welcome. Good is usually pleasurable, and bad is displeasurable. Bad is an interruption. So is good, but good is welcome, and bad is unwelcome. The milk's gone bad. The milk has gone bad. Just when I wanted a bowl of cornflakes, the milk has gone bad. That means... It's no longer of good quality, it's poor quality. Or when we say the news is bad, that means it's not what we hoped for. We've been disappointed, and what we desired, we're not going to get. Sometimes I get home, and I'm always happy to get home because you know, on the whole, I mean, there are exceptions when she's away, but Shelley's waiting for me. And life at home is sweet with my wife, Shelley. Sometimes, just after I get home and I'm feeling so, so uplifted and elated because I'm home and it's safe, you know, nobody's out to get me kind of thing. And when she says, uh, hi, sweetheart, it just is sweet to me, to hear those words. But then she'll say something like, hey, don't forget, tomorrow night we have this and that to do. Well, yeah, that means uh, my plan to kick back and relax just went up in smoke. So, yeah, that, that's bad news because I didn't see that coming. I'm kind of scatterbrained and sometimes I forget she keeps my calendar for me, and I, oh yeah, we've got that to do. It's not that it was bad, but it's not as good as what I wanted to do. It's God's fault that I've come to realize it's harder for me to know what's bad because I've seen so much good come out of what I initially and hastily thought was bad. Like when we first got married, I was, uh, well, we got our first house, I think when we were, I was 23, 24, we, we'd saved and scrimped and it had a huge yard and we started a big garden. We grew everything. We had lots of fruit trees. It was a very difficult piece of property to mow. I had to get a 
you know, a motorized lawnmower. This was no push mower type of yard. This was a big job, you know. But we had this huge garden and plant all kinds of vegetables and fruits and different things. But when it first starts to break the soil and you see those little sprouts, it has been my experience. Now, some of you may be really super experienced gardeners, but it was my experience then that sometimes I didn't remember what I had planted in that spot. And when the sprout came up, I wasn't sure whether it was a weed or a vegetable. But you know, Jesus went through this too, and evidently others had this problem as well. He even told a story about it. We sometimes call it the wheat and the tares, which means the wheat and the weeds. And in the story, the the whole storyline is, should I send workers out into the field to pull out to uproot the weeds, the tares. And Jesus says, uh, don't uproot the tares because you might uproot the wheat. When I was young, I really mean this, you would have pegged me a weed to uproot. We don't always know What's going to become wheat? We don't always know what's going to become a weed. The change in me and in my outlook is entirely God's fault. I want to turn waiting into faith and hopeful expectation. I want to turn waiting into faith and hopeful expectation. Jesus said, wait until the harvest. Sometimes we don't want to wait. We want to uproot it right away. When we label it or peg it as bad, we've lost hope in it. It's not worth saving. We want to move on as quickly as possible. We want to abandon it and give it up. We don't want to try again. We don't even want it in our lives. We want to boot it out the door if it's bad. But the question this morning is, is it bad? Or is it a prelude to good? Is what you thought was bad Possibly the place that you're going to meet God. The experience in which you're not only going to meet God, but be used of God. Don't forget, tomorrow night we've got that thing to do. I can hate it, or I can see that maybe God's going to be there. And something good is going to happen. I want to turn waiting into faith and hopeful expectation. Because God is good. He's good. And good wins. 
by faith lived over time, I've come to see things a little more like the Apostle Paul. And I want to repeat, by living by faith. Over time, I've matured. My outlook has grown and changed. I see things a little bit more the way God sees them. And yes, I see them a little bit more the way Paul sees them when he says all things work together for good. All things, no exceptions. Paul says this is true for those who love God, not those who ignore God. Those who think God is only involved in the good right from the get-go means that he would never have been involved in your life and in mine. If he didn't want to get his hands dirty in things that other people think aren't worth giving any time or attention or any more effort because it's, it's bad. To love God to love God has to do with the awareness of God. It has to do with trust and acknowledgement. Could we possibly love God if we ignored him? Could we possibly love God even though he continues to love us? But could we say we love God if we are unaware of him? or if we do not trust him, or we do not acknowledge him, if that's the way you're living in your friendships, you need to make some changes because your friendships will not last if there's no trust, no awareness, no acknowledgement of your friend. If that's the way it is in your home and in your marriage, you've got to make some serious changes if you're going to call yourself married and that you love your spouse and you love your children. Paul says this is true. All things work together for good for those who love him. That brings us to our proverb today. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Trust in the Lord who is everywhere at work. Let me read verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. Everywhere. That's what I said. Get wisdom. Trust in the Lord who is everywhere at work. Not just over there, you see. Not just where it's good. Everywhere. That's what's being told to us here. Indirectly, because it's all personalized in verse 5 and 6. 
So we're just thinking primarily of ourselves, but what is true for us is true for all who love God, turn to God, trust God, acknowledge God. These are points about the providential care of God. In all our ways, that means no way is beyond God, and then more importantly, the implication is God cares about all our ways. And our ways could not take us away from God or out of his sight and detention. Wherever we go, whatever our destination, not only will God be with us as we go there, but he'll be there waiting for us. He'll be there not only with us as we go, but he'll be there ahead of us. God is not just in Visalia or my hometown of Modesto or my home state of California. He's in every state of this union. And he's not just an American. He's a Nicaraguan. He's a Brazilian. He's Chinese, he's Arabic, and on and on we go. God is not out just for us. In fact, this verse was written by someone halfway around the world. And he's telling us about God so that we can share in what he knows. And he's a Mediterranean Jewish man. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That's that song, Waymaker. That's all about the providence of God. Personalized. So that we can feel it more intimately Hear it maybe a little bit better when it's talked about in terms of you and me. Because that's where the work of God always begins, with you and with me. Not with everybody else. If we're waiting for everybody else, maybe they're waiting for everybody else too. Maybe they're waiting for you, and because they're waiting for you, nothing's happening. The providence of God is something that we we experience when we act in faith. And that's the first thing he tells us in verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just a pinch. You're all in. All in. If you play poker and you've got chips and there's a call... You push everything in. It's all or nothing. That's what with all your heart means. You know what trust means? It means to feel safe. Feel safe. I want to teach you just a little about Bible reading. When you read your Bible, pay attention to what's right around it. For example, what does trust mean? If we ask ourselves, what is he really asking me to do? And what will happen if I trust the Lord? 
Well, read around it, and you notice right after it, it says, lean not on your own understanding. What do you, when you lean on your own understanding, what do you do? You trust what you think, don't you? You put your opinion above everyone else's. You think your ideas, like I think my ideas, are going to be best. We make choices. That's leaning on our own understanding. We feel very familiar with that. We trust ourselves. We, I hope we know that we have to live with the consequences of our choices. Sometimes if we don't, we can make some pretty bad choices. But even so, we do it because we trust ourselves. And what we're being told is, that's not as wise, not as smart, and not as rewarding as trusting the Lord. In fact, it's safer because when we trust, we feel safe. You trust yourself, I trust myself because Well, I mean, our whole society says you can't trust anybody. So trust yourself. Now, God's saying, if you want to really be safe, trust me. Trust me. When he says, trust me, he says, with all your heart. Is there anything more precious to you than yourself? Is that why Jesus uh, and Paul said, you can't do better, you can't be more loving than to lay down your life for someone else? Because we're always so fond of ourselves. And our heart represents the most precious part of ourselves. And we're told here that we ought to go all in with all our heart, with all that is precious to us, and trust the Lord. When you do that, well, there's only one way to learn whether you can trust the Lord, and that is to trust Him. All these pieces of advice involve risk. The reward, it depends, it leans on. See, that's what trust is, putting your weight on something. It looks insecure. You're not sure, but you're going to trust it, and you're going to put your weight, go all in on it. That's depending on what you trust. This is somebody else's advice. But this advice is for our benefit. Belief always involves risk. If you go to exercise your faith or trust in something that you can't see, which is what we are being told to do when we're being asked to trust God, I want you to know that there is risk involved. You feel it. It is a feeling because you're going to feel safer with your own choice. 
But if God says, trust me, follow me, if God says, love your enemy, if, you're, if God says, do good to your neighbor, and on and on and on, all of those requests require trust and faith. They do. There's no way around it. And you can't depend on your own judgment because your own judgment is being challenged by what the Lord is asking you and me to do. Asking me to love someone that I don't naturally or have an inclination to love. To care for people that maybe I, I don't know, I, I just, they're very unlike me, very unfamiliar to me. They don't look like me, they don't act like me. And yet the Lord says, uh, yeah, treat them with respect and the dignity and love that I treat and love and respect you. That's risk. It takes me out of my comfort zone. It's not familiar to me. It's not the way my parents raised me. Maybe. But the point is that risk feels an uncertainty. And I want you to know that faith involves risk because trust has to follow what the Lord invites us and calls us to do not what what comes naturally otherwise you don't need faith in the Lord you don't need faith in his word and you know what you're not going to find out how trustworthy he is and that's why I say living by faith over time over time has taught me how important it is to believe in what God can do, even if my first inclination is that it's bad. God can bring good out of that. Have you ever, how many of you have flown in an airliner or a plane? Was it kind of frightening the first time? You don't want to admit that? I remember the first time. And then I had to start doing it monthly for my work. I'd fly up to Portland, drive to Sacramento and fly out of Sacramento. And so flying up on a regular basis like that for meetings and things, uh, man, sometimes the turbulence, that plane would be rattling, the the lights flashing, seatbelt lights and so forth. And it helped me to realize that the pilot and the stewards wanted to live too. And they trusted the plane. And that really helped to settle me down, you know, because I'd be praying furiously. But it also helped me to say, you know, Lord, I, I'm in your hands. And that gives me a peace that nobody else can match. I had a friend over uh, this week early in the morning and he shared some of his testimony and how, you know, he turned to Christ and this incredible peace filled his life, a peace he hadn't known before. And I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but there, were, there was an incident at home not necessarily the same day. It kind of got the best of him. He, his conduct was not what he wanted it to be. And he realized the peace was gone. 
And he told me that he realized he was not living by faith. He was not trusting in the Lord. He was not even aware of the Lord. It was all in his control, all in his hands. And he had made a mess of it. And he could tell because the peace of the Lord was gone. You know, we can't hoard or stockpile faith. Do you know that? You can't. I mentioned hoarding last week, and sometimes, you know, I have an extra box of Kleenex. I've got extra this and that. But you can't hoard your faith. You can't stock it up. You can't open the refrigerator and, wow, look at it. I've got a week's supply of faith in there. Faith is like, well, do you have gas, Olene? You know, think about it. What if you saved gas? And some of you show a friend into the backyard, and I mean, there you've got your stockpile of gas cans full of gas. What do they do? What does gas do? Well, it combusts, so it provides energy, but when it's just sitting in a can, it can't. If it does, you're in trouble, but you see, it's supposed to be put into something so that it can empower it. Some people drive, you know, little people movers, and some people drive Lamborghinis, but they all run on gas. They don't run without it. Faith is the gas of your life. It will not combust unless you put it into something. And what is the God that you are putting your gas into? Is it the one true God? Is it the God who has revealed himself in his word to you? Is it the God that beckons to you and says, pour your entire heart into me. Trust me. Don't depend on your own understanding. In all your ways, be aware of me. Acknowledge me. Give me place at your table. Let me influence you. And I will make your ways straight. John Calvin in his Christian Institute said, When the world appears to be aimlessly tumbled about, the Lord is everywhere at work. Because when we talk about providence, we aren't... Or we talk about providence in terms of these words, these pieces of advice. We're not talking about a problem-solution formula that we pull out when things get too bad. But we grow by trusting the Lord. Because we know that our Creator is engaged not only in our world, our world, that which is at sleep as we are here now awake. He is at work in our world and at work in our daily life. So to acknowledge him, it doesn't mean just bring him our wishes. It's not like a game show. Let's make a deal. I want door number three, and I'm going to be disappointed if I don't get it. It's more like reality TV. And God has come to live in our heart. 
just as if he were to live in our home and somebody were to walk around with a camera and follow us everywhere and enjoy all the hijinks and humor and drama of living our life with God. What would that look like? Can you imagine that if you were, your life with the Lord was on reality TV? Just imagine that. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. It's crucial that we believe this. Let's end on what's bad. Let's end on what's bad. List all the bad that you see in the world. I know I'm not going to give you enough time, right? List all the bad in the world down to the bad that is in your life. Maybe you'd like to do it as a thought experiment later. Just take some time. Just sit in the cool shade of a tree. Shut your eyes and just think of all the bad in the world. And then kind of back up, back up, back up into your own life and identify the things that are bad to you in your life. And then, secondly, trust the Lord, not your understanding. Trust him for the bad, not your understanding. And then, acknowledge that he says he will make your path straight. Not just waiting for door number three. But make your paths straight. Because it involves walking a straight path. It doesn't involve sitting. The notion is of moving with God in faith in straight paths and following him. If we do this, the Westminster Confession of Faith says... Our chief purpose is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. John Piper famously altered this, and I think correctly to read, we are to glorify God by enjoying him forever. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, Teach us, just like you taught your disciples. Uh, We can be sometimes hard-hearted, dim-witted, but we do love you, Lord. And we know, we're wise enough to know that uh, it's a wise thing to live for you and trust you and follow you as best we can. May we take these words as an encouragement to us this day and this week that we might grow in our trust Live for you in ways that change our world as you work through us as well as working within us. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, God bless you. Stand with us as we sing this last song together.
with you.